have some beef with David Allen and his getting things done methodology, and I want to talk to you about that today. Welcome to Redeeming Productivity. This is the show that helps Christians get more done and get it done like Christians. And I'm your host, Reagan Rose. Well, glad to have you guys here. Listen to the show. Uh, as the title suggests, um, I have a problem. I have an issue. I have some concerns. I have beef with David Allen. If you don't know who David Allen is, you probably think this is a weird episode for a show on productivity. Well, it's not because David Allen is a productivity guru. He wrote one of the modern classics of productivity called Getting Things Done. Um, In fact, I have a copy here somewhere. Hang on. Yeah, look at this. If you're watching on YouTube, this is the book. Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity from the New York Times bestselling author, David Allen. I have some beef with this book. I just uh, recently read through it again. I took extensive notes and really did a deep dive on everything taught in this book because I always try to really dig into the classics on productivity so I can understand where people are coming from from a deep level so that I can address stuff from a Christian worldview. And the basic idea of getting things done or the GTD methodology is it's a system that really has three objectives. It's trying to help teach you to capture everything that you might need to do in a trusted system. That's one. Two is it teaches you to make decisions about those inputs so that you have a, there's a quote, workable inventory of next actions so that you always have a to-do list. You always know what you need to be doing to make progress in your projects. And third, then it teaches you to curate and coordinate that content so that you're always making progress on it. And the great promise of this book, and if you read any kind of review of it or any article that mentions GTD methodology, the great promise is summed up in Alan's, um, really his philosophy of productivity, which is that you should have a mind like water. And this is a quote from him. He says, teaching you how to be maximally efficient and relaxed whenever you need to be was my main purpose in writing this book. And his idea of having a mind like water was, he says, just as a, you know, there's a pond and it's still, if someone throws a pebble in there, the the water responds exactly as it should. It doesn't overreact or underreact. And that's how we should be when a new project or a new task or a new input gets thrown our way. Instead of it throwing everything off, if we're following GTD, man, we should be able to just tackle it and respond exactly appropriately and then get back to where we are in our Zen-like mind like water state. And to achieve that fabled mind like water is sort of the promise of getting things done, that you can live this life where you're just this peaceful Zen like existence, whenever stuff comes at you, I'm doing karate moves right now. You know exactly what to do and handle it. And it doesn't, you know, upset the whole cart of apples. And listen, I like this book. I'm, I'm kind of tongue in cheek saying I have beef with David Allen in this book because I like it for the most part. I mean, if you guys have been listening to this while, I've talked about a lot of the stuff that I appreciate about this methodology. And I would say that the getting things done methodology is one of the core elements of my own personal plan for how to be productive. That was a lot of peas. But even so, I have some beef with it. But I want to start by saying some good stuff. I want to tell you what I appreciate about this and kind of save the beef for the end. Um, 
So listen, I, I do like this book and here's, here's a couple things I like. I think that what David Allen presents in here, the methodology itself makes sense. I think it's sound. It works. I think it works because I've been practicing it for years and it does work. If you capture things that come at you, you have them in a trusted system, you're less stressed, you know what to do, and you have sort of a framework for making decisions and, and knowing all the commitments you have. From that perspective, it's awesome. It really does work. I love this idea of having an inventory of your commitments. That's huge. In fact, um, at the time I'm recording this, I just wrote an article that was talking about the problem of being overcommitted. And one of the the issues, if you're someone like me who who tends to overcommit themselves, say yes to too many things, one of the issues behind that is often we don't actually have a list of all of our commitments. And so if somebody asks you to do something, you think, well, check my calendar, but your calendar doesn't have everything. You don't realize all of the projects you're already working on, all of the commitments you have, and that your time is getting eaten up more and more and more by stuff you commit to. And so definitely having an inventory of what you're working on, what needs to be done next, that's huge. Getting things done will teach you to do that. Worthwhile for sure from that perspective. And that whole idea of getting stuff into a trusted system. Because look, your brain is good at a lot of stuff. It's great at processing. It's not actually great at remembering commitments though. And that's why often someone asks you to do something and then you say, oh yeah, definitely. And you'll totally forget unless you write it down. Uh, Getting things done teaches you how to uh, sort of work with that built-in limitation of your brain, take advantage of lists to, uh, to be able to remember stuff. That's wonderful. Love that. The weekly review. I did a very one of my most popular episodes on this podcast. I talked about how to do a weekly review. A lot of that was inspired by getting things done. So love that. Carving out time each week to review what you've done, what needs to be done, making changes as necessary each week, having that little checkup with yourself. Huge. Highly recommended. I practice it. Well, usually I practice it. Sometimes I forget. And I also love the bottom-up approach that David Allen takes. And what I mean is instead of, which a lot of books on productivity, they'll start with goals. They'll start with, well, what, where do you want to go? Where do you want to be in five years? And that's, that can work. But a lot of times people are drowning in the immediate stuff and they can't really lift their head up to look at the horizon because there's just too much overwhelming them. So one of the great things about David Allen's approach is it teaches you to deal with the immediate stuff so you can kind of catch a breath and then look to the future and make better plans. Love that. Super helpful. So yes, lots of things I appreciate this book, Um, this methodology, all of this. Highly recommend it. I'm kind of being tongue in cheek about the beef thing, but I do have a beef. I want to tell you about that beef now. Question for you, listeners. (laughs) You can write to me uh, by email at reagan at redeemingproductivity.com. But international listeners, does beef in like... England or wherever you're from, other countries besides the United States, does it mean like an argument or a uh, a quarrel or an issue? Because that's what I mean by beef. I don't literally mean, uh, you know, like part of a cow for consumption. Okay. That's what I, I just realized I'm using some slang, but I don't know if it's American slang. I have an issue with him. I have some beef as we say here in the States. Okay. Let me know if that's appropriate to say. Um, here's the main thing. You want to hear my main beef with David Allen? Mind like water isn't possible. The great 
promise of this book is that I'm going to, it's, is it in the sub subtitle? The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. It's not realistic. You will never get there. <laughs> I just have come to believe, and I'll show you why from a biblical standpoint, that this really can't happen the way that it's promised. You're not going to get to a point with your work where you're going to be, oh, send any sort of issue at me. I will deal with it with calmness and alacrity and move back to my state of peacefulness. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And at least it won't for long. I mean, I think we go through periods where we feel like, oh, everything's finally under control. And then, you know, Providence throws a wrench into our plans. And really, the reason this doesn't work and the reason I know that it doesn't work, and it's not just me in my own experience, it's because this idea of mind like water is based on David Allen's uh, assumptions about what mankind is like, his anthropology, we would call it theologically, which is based for Allen in Buddhism. And so when I said it's kind of like you reach a Zen-like state, it literally is uh, at the back of Alan's mind, listening to things he's talked about, Zen Buddhism has influenced him a lot. And so that assumption has gone into what what he believes is possible, what, uh, what productivity or practicing certain things can make possible for a person, that you can reach this state of calm and stress-free productivity. And I think for a long time, I believed that too. I think for a long time, I thought if I can just tweak all my systems, get them exactly right, then it'll be perfect. And I talked about this a couple episodes ago when I talked about peace and productivity and told you some of my, my thoughts on that and what the Bible teaches about finding your peace in Jesus Christ, not in your own ability to handle a situation. And this is related to that, but it's a little bit different because you have to understand this, this fundamental truth about mankind and we know this from the Bible, and that's this. Our work is cursed. Our work is cursed. The reason you find it hard to get through the day, the reason your work is frustrating, is because God has cursed our work. Look at Genesis chapter 3 with me. So this is in Genesis chapter 3. This is after Adam and Eve eat from the tree that's been forbidden from them by God. And God comes to them and he puts a curse on them. You remember to the woman, he says that uh, her pain in childbearing was become greater. And then when he turned to the man, he said, uh, and to Adam, he said, this is verse 17, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return. So there's a lot that happened in the curse. You know, death entered. Uh, like I said, the, the woman in childbearing gets harder, but work was also cursed. And I've probably talked about this here on this podcast before that one of the, the reasons that work is hard <laughs> well, the reason literally actually the reason work is hard is because of curse. Mankind sinned against God and God as a punishment to us cursed our work. That's part of the deal. And so here he talks about um, 
you know, gardening basically and saying it's thistles and thorns. But I believe that this has extended to all work. And I don't just mean metaphorically. I mean that literally the reason work is hard is because mankind has sinned against God and God has cursed our work. And so in the past, when I've talked about this, I've said, this is why productivity is necessary because work is cursed and it's hard. And there's basically entropy that's happening, right? Um, things are, things are proceeding from order to disorder all the time. That's why we have to give attention to being organized, right? Because if we don't, it'll tend towards chaos. That's the curse at work in creation and in our work. But one thing I think I've failed to realize or fully appreciate until recently is that the curse not only makes work hard and productivity necessary, but in an ultimate sense, it makes productivity futile. What I mean is you will never overcome the curse of work through anything you do. Do you know what I mean? Work's always going to be hard until Christ returns. He sets things right and he remakes the heavens and the earth. Then our work will be satisfying and fulfilling as it was meant to be, as it was in the garden. But until that point, we should not be surprised that you can't get everything under control. That shouldn't shock you. I shouldn't, I shouldn't look at my, my out of control to-do list and say, what on earth is happening? How did this happen to me? What shouldn't I have? The, I have all these systems in place. I've been doing stress-free productivity yet. I still feel stressed. It's not going to happen. Not in this life. And that's my beef with David Allen. <laughs> this promise, stress-free productivity, mind like water. It can't happen. It can't happen. It's, it's not possible. And so what do we do about this? Do we just give up? If we recognize that productivity in an ultimate sense is, is futile, do we just quit? Do we say, oh, forget it. I'm just going to, you know, kind of float along and just accept that, that work is hard, is frustrating. Why even try? I don't think that's the right answer either, though. I don't think that's the right answer either. I think the recognition that our work, no matter how you know, much productivity techniques we learn, how organized we get. I think the recognition that our work will still always frustrate us as long as we're in this life. That should not make us give up, but it should, it should give us a realism about our work and about what productivity methods can accomplish for us and what they can't. It should help us to be realistic. And so I'm not saying give up on productivity. Um, definitely not saying that. <laughs> when I, the day I say that, I'll turn off uh, the podcast. I do think that the Lord does allow us to use common grace means, which is to say things that, that are, are in the world that even unbelievers have discovered, even David Allen in some of his techniques, and to take advantage of some of that and use it to help us serve the Lord better. I think that's good. I think that's helpful. But again, we have to make sure we're not we're not imbibing some of these assumptions. It is not true that you can ever reach that state. And I wish it were, but it's not. So what do I do? Well, I don't give up. I have to come back to a biblical anthropology, which is to say a biblical doctrine of mankind, what we're like, how we're composed, what what's changed with us since sin has entered and work has been cursed. And first, you need to recognize that the reason I work hard 
is not so that I can earn for myself or arrive at some Zen-like state where everything's working perfectly. That's great. Sometimes we get to that point for a little while till it unravels, but that's not my purpose. My purpose isn't to to work hard so that some point in the future I'll be able to retire early or be or be rich or have reached some level of accomplishment. No, no. The the, the reason you work hard is because God is a God who works, and we're created in God's image, and so He's made us to work. And we're even told Colossians uh, three. 23 and 24, to work heartily as unto the Lord and not to unto men. The point is we work for God and heartily literally means um, from the heart. It's with sincerity. We work hard with our, our minds, our objective fixed on, I'm doing this for God. And even though it may not be stress-free, it may be hard. It may be sort of feeling out of control a lot of the time. That's okay. That's part and parcel of work in a cursed world. But I have to recognize I'm not going to reach this point where it's going to get easier. Or I should say it it, it will get easier sometimes, but it's not going to get this point where it's perfect because of the fall. And so, so the first point I made was that we work hard because God is a God who works hard and he made us in his image to work hard. But it also means I seek to be organized, right? I seek to be productive and, and keep things orderly, not because I think that through my own efforts, I'm going to get my whole world perfectly aligned and perfect uh, in every way so that, so that I don't feel out of control ever. That's a futile journey. Again, you're not going to get there. And if you try to pursue that, you're going to end up being a perfectionist. You're going to end up being disappointed. You're going to end up um, in a graceless relationship with your own expectations of yourself uh, because it's not realistic. It's not realistic. And that's really my beef. This isn't realistic. It doesn't acknowledge the truth of what man is like and our relationship with our work. And so it presents to us impossible expectations we put on ourselves that are not helpful. So what am I saying? Don't be motivated to work hard. Don't be motivated to organize because you think you're going to reach this Zen light state. You won't be motivated to work heartily because you're doing it for God to be organized because you can bring some small sense of order, not in a perfect sense, but you will bring some order to your life and thereby be a better steward of this life for God. But if you're seeking perfection in your productivity, Guys, we're just going to have to wait. <laughs> we can, we, we're always striving. We're always trying to get better, but perfection lies on the other side of glory and accepting that man, that could, might be the first actual step towards having a less stressful relationship, ironically with your productivity, because you're not putting expectations on it that it can't possibly fulfill. The truth is that as creatures, we have limitations. We're not God. We can't do it all. And we're not going to do it all perfectly, that's for sure. But we have been called to be faithful stewards, to use these lives wisely, to use them well, to take hold of these common grace means, and even more so taking hold of the means of grace God has given us through his word, through the church, through prayer, and through fellowship with believers to actually grow, seek God's help to become more productive, not for our sake, not in search of some El Dorado of productivity perfection, but in search of pleasing and bringing glory to the God that we love to serve. So let's use these tools to execute that calling well, but let's also recognize we're going to fall short again and again and again and again. 
And this, most importantly of all, when you fall short of your expectations of yourself, what you do is not run for another life hack or another productivity book that can be helpful, but that's not where you go first. You run to Jesus Christ, ask him for help. Tell him, I want to be a more faithful steward. I dropped the ball again. It's not about self-flagellation. It's about confession if there's sin involved. And it's about begging for help from the God of the universe who longs to help you be a better steward of this life. It lines with his will for you. So seek that. Seek to bring him glory. Put your heart in the right place. But be realistic. You're going to keep messing up. God knows that. It's part of the curse. We have to be realistic about it and keep seeking his help, keep seeking to do better, but recognize that if you are in Christ Jesus, you are under grace and what a wonderful place to be. It's not your own perfection that commends you to God. It's the perfection of Jesus Christ, his perfect life and his perfect sacrifice. And so my work as unto the Lord isn't to earn his favor. It isn't to try to reach some state of perfection. I work here and now hard and hopefully productively, because I want to bring God the most glory I possibly can. And guess what? God is aligned with you in that mission. He's given you his Holy Spirit. He's given you many tools and resources to help do that. Take hold of them. Seek his kingdom first and recognize that you are under grace and be encouraged. That's all I have for you this week, guys. Thank you so much for listening or watching. I'll see you again here next week. But until I do, remember this, in whatever you do, do it well and do it all for the glory of God. (laughs) 